Welcome to Living the Dream Outdoors, the official podcast of Living the Dream Outdoor Properties. We live by the motto, it's not just land, it's a lifestyle. And we live the outdoor lifestyle every day. Whether you're a landowner or dreaming of joining the ranks of those closest to the earth, we're your brothers and sisters of the outdoors. We hunt, we fish, we're stewards of the land, and our Living the Dream team will show you the way to enjoying the land and all the outdoor pursuits it has to offer. Here's your host, Bill Cooper. Welcome to Living the Dream Outdoors podcast. I'm Bill Cooper, and I'm at the Kansas City National Fishing Expo. Been here for a couple days and having a great time. And I'm sitting in a booth right now that just fascinates me. Because all of you know me anytime at all, you know that I love fly fishing. That's kind of the thing I like to do. And it's not just an old age thing. You know, I've been fishing since I was 10 years old. I'll have to tell you boys the story of how I got my first fly rod. I've only told it a million times, so this (laughs) (laughs) people probably get tired of hearing it. But in the booth here with me is Jacob Patterson and Jeremy Patterson. They're brothers. And they've got J&J Fly Fishing Adventures out of Kansas City, Missouri. Guys, it's it's great to be here at the fishing show with you guys. Oh, it's great to meet you, Bill. We're We're having a blast out here the last couple of days. There's all kinds of fishing here, not just fly fishing. I'm pretty sure we're about the only ones here. <laughs> yeah, Bill, been been great getting to meet you and getting to know you here, and appreciate the opportunity to come on the show and kind of tell people what we're all about, and uh, and uh, maybe like you say, maybe romanticize this thing a little bit and get them out on the stream somewhere. Yeah, you bet. Well, our mutual friends are great thing. Yes, sir. Yes, Brian sir. Wilson brought us Brian together. Wilson water, man. And, and I got to tell you, I'm gonna tell you, he is. I've known Brian for a long time, but but I'm gonna tell you, I'm gonna worried about you you guys there's a little strange relationship there between fly fishermen and a guy that runs a bow fishing boat you know i'll let jeremy tell the story about <laughs> that, that but people sure do sure do look at us funny the first time we were down on tanny como on brian's boat you know with the bow fishing boat and lights up front we're fishing trout off the front of it but i'll let him tell you the story kind yeah, of yeah, tell me that meeting. story that's got to be a good story the whole reason i i met brian was I, i've been fishing uh I'm pretty big into rough fishing, not just trout and rough fish, as everybody knows, is any species of fish, mostly the most undesirable fish, they call them, the undesirables. <laughs> That's what I love. But anyways, I was having trouble catching uh, hog suckers on a fly. Couldn't understand it. I was catching red horse, catching white suckers, yellow suckers. Didn't matter. Hog suckers were throwing me for a loop. So I started researching on the internet about people that are actually bow fishing and gigging for suckers. I ran across Brian with stained water bow fishing. Tried getting a trip with him. I was always I'm busy. Oh, the water ain't right. Something's going on. I, when I first mentioned the fly fishing deal, I showed up at his house one evening. I just pulled in. I, I went out. Before I got out of the truck, he came down. He goes, who are you? I said, I'm Jeremy. I'm, we're going fishing tonight. Well, I don't know you. I said, well, I don't know you either, but we're going to get to know each other now. We've been best friends since. I got out there, gigged a few suckers with him, held them in my hands, figured it out, and get, put the tips and tactics, techniques together to go out. No, I can successfully target hog suckers on a fly. Okay, now I have to ask a question. What was the big difference? You caught all these other species. What was so hard about a hog sucker? So not just getting it on bottom, but really getting it on bottom, getting it in front of them, letting them see it, and don't move it. It sits there. Those fish, they want to come up. They want to pick that stuff up and move it away from where they're trying to, where they're trying to be. It's, it's trash. Your fly for a hog sucker is garbage to them. So you want something that blends in, natural. And their mouth sits back a little farther. it sits back farther. More similar to a sturgeon versus the other suckers that are out front. So when we seen those fish coming over top of our flies... They weren't ready to eat yet. They were almost oh, ready so to eat. So you we had to learn that. that by going through the process. Right. And, well, so what do you do differently with that fly then? Like he said, don't move it. Let those fish come to that fly and let them actually take that fly instead of, you know, you thought they were there. You thought they were maybe eating it before because oh, we didn't understand their but mouth they hadn't parts got and how their mouth anatomy to the fly yet. Correct. Uh, yeah, we had, we didn't give them the back. opportunity to eat, Bill. We didn't give them the it's opportunity to eat. further back and has an angle back. The regular suckers, the, the, their actual portion of their mouth where they eat the food through sits further up and angles towards the front of the fish the hog suckers angles back it's a totally all right so i'm fish. a writer so i i take it then there's no fly fishing literature about how to fish for hog suckers oh, i've never seen it 
That's why I got a whole brand is, If there is, we have. Well, you seen guys it. need to write the first article right. about that. That's make an interesting you, article. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're going to have to talk about that one because right, I see right. an article coming out of, out of that right. for sure. Right. But what intriguing stories! But I got to. I always like to back up. I'm, I'm a big personal history fan. I like to know what makes people tick. You know, hey, you didn't just fall out of the sky one day and decide you're going to start fly fishing. No, go sir. back so, to the beginnings for me. So we grew up. Uh, we grew up typical, typical fishing family in Michigan, right? We've. Uh, I knew there's, there's 15, something wrong with you guys. 15 bodies of water within five minutes of our house in Michigan. Wow. So we grew up on the water. Anytime we didn't snowmobile, we didn't ski, we didn't go on vacation, we fished. My dad had two fishing boats. We grew up on the Great Lakes. We grew up traditional fishing. Right. Bait fishing, you know, trolling techniques for walleye, salmon, Great Lakes fishing, those kind of things. It wasn't really until we actually started targeting Chinook salmon on the fly rod, you know, and found out that that hand-to-hand combat, once those fish enter the rivers in the fall, and once you actually do it right, and hooking a fish the right way and letting them fish actually eat, that we, we actually had caught that passion for fly fishing. And you can only do that for a certain amount of time a year, okay? And we wanted to be really good at it. Right. So we started picking up fly fishing for trout, honing our techniques. You know, the only way we can get better at this fly fishing is to keep fly fishing, keep practicing, keep doing it, keep keep chasing different species then came rough fish you know and now we're to the point where that's all we want to do is chase fish with the fly rod it didn't start out that way that that. passion didn't happen that way and our dad and our brother still you know we're we're mainly catching release fishermen but we still like a good walleye fish fry you know and our dad and our brother still keep a lot of fish and it's just the way we were raised but you know it's not not our thing anymore we actually we joke about it we don't get to spend a whole lot of time back at camp cleaning fish when you turn them all loose Right, Nothing we can wrong go with back that. and have a dinner and and just enjoy ourselves by the campfire. So absolutely, but I got to ask you. You obviously started very early in life. Dad introduced you. I, I, I was in diapers on the boat, Bill. To be honest with you, wow. my dad used to strap me in a car seat up front when we'd go yep. walleye fishing. And I was on diapers. I, so when people say that, I mean, I've been walleye fishing since I was in diapers and, and literally have. That is it incredible. Is. Well, I know you probably became very passionate very quickly, but at what point? would you you know age would you consider yourself totally consumed with fishing oh shoot before i could drive 12 yeah <laughs> we, no. we grew up whitetail hunting we grew up in the outdoors up there in michigan but i mean fishing Michigan's is a great outdoor a, state oh man it's always held a special passion for me you know the way i equivalent i i equate it i guess is we, we'd like to hunt our fish that we do catch right now, but I get to pull that trigger a hundred times a day on some of these fish instead of once in a, once in a season, you know, right. on that big buck. Right. So it's you're, just you're a kind of an action oriented guy. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes, sir. Well, that, that's a fabulous, fabulous story, man. And I told you I was going to tell my story about my first uh, yeah. fly rod. Uh, I grew up pretty poor in a, swamps of southeast missouri and we were cotton pickers and just small family farm 40 acres you know it's poor and didn't know it everybody around us was just like us you know <laughs> but if, if i could weasel my way out of the cotton field i could go to the bayou and fish man i and i just oh i just wanted to be there all the time and by the time i was like seven years old i planned to my own subscription outdoor life and that's where i first saw a fly rod you know huh. i showing these guys and Dude's Brunswick or somewhere catching uh, all these exotic-looking trout. And I'm right. like, man, you know, I'll never be able to do that. But doggone, I'm going to dream about it, you know, right. more or less. But uh, when I was 10 years old, my dad allowed us, if we'd hustle and get our uh, crops laid by, we call it, you know, get the cotton and beans hoed and all that sort of thing, uh, he'd let us work for other farmers. And there's two old bachelor brothers down the road, gravel road a couple of miles. Uh, I don't think they were never married, but they were fly fishermen. But I went to work for those guys for 50 cents an hour. And at 10 years old, I'd work from daylight to dark, you know. Great. Man, I was making $7.50 yeah. a day. Oh, you were bringing it in. Hey, man, I, I, I'm on my way to getting rich and going to New Brunswick. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but they had an old uh, hired hand. He was in his 30s, lived in a shack on the place, and uh, that, that boy liked his beer now. Well, I was getting all enamored with fly fishing, talk to the old men about it. In fact, I'd gone to uh, 
hole of water down next to the Mississippi River. We call them blue holes. It's where the levees broke and big floods. And this was a 60-acre lake that washed out, man, from a, a levee breaking. And we caught lots of big fish down there. Well, I was down there fishing, and there's a big old dead cottonmouth, you know, and it's got a yellow popper in it stuck somebody hooked that snake and then they killed it you know but they left that popper in there i didn't have any poppers but i got my pocket knife and i took that popper (laughs) home with me (laughs) lo and behold went to work next monday morning and something said about that popper and uh, I had it in my shirt pocket. I was going to show everybody my poppers. One of the old men said, where'd you get that? I said, man, I saw this big old dead water moccasin down at the Blue Hole, and I cut it out. And he said, that belonged to me. <laughs> <laughs> he wasn't getting it back, though. Right, no. right. But anyway, long story short, the old hired hand, as a week or so later, he'd gone to Western Auto in the local little town there, East Prairie, and he bought a fly fishing outfit had one of them old shakespeare automatic reels on it you know heavy bass rod look like a pool cue well i was fascinated by that thing well the guy had bought it and he told me about it on monday morning he'd fished with it over the weekend and he paid 25 bucks for it well monday morning he was, I guess, out of beer money already, and he was trying to sell me that fly rod outfit. See, I wanted it badly. Man, right. I'd have given my right arm for that thing. I said, well, how much? He said, 25 bucks. I said, man, that's 50 hours work. <laughs> you know? You I, I mean, I, I can't do that. Well, every day, he, boy, he was getting drier. And I had quite a few alcoholics in my family, so I knew what the situation was. Right. So right. I started working on this old guy. And on Thursday morning, I got that fly right out for 11 bucks. <laughs> you still got it? I, I still got the reel. Okay. But I, I was so proud of myself. The first time I ever successfully hoodooed an adult. Right. Right. <laughs> Excellent. Right. But it, oh, and since then, it, you guys may be envious, but that bio, it ran through our property. I mean, I was catching seven, eight-pound largemouth. Oh, bluegill man. weigh a pound and a quarter. I even caught some catfish on the fly rod and, and gar. Oh, right. my the gosh, gar. man. That was just incredible. So I've had a wonderful fishing background with fly fishing, and it all started by looking at Outdoor Life magazine. And today, I've been all the way from Alaska, Canada, to the Yucatan, Appalachians to the Rocky, just whipping a fly rod. Right. Living, a dream, right? Living a dream, Living a dream, exactly. Yes, you guys know what it's all about. Yes, sir. But, fellas, we're going to take just a short break here to hear from some of our great, great sponsors. Folks, don't go away. We're going to be right back with more Living the Dream Outdoors podcast. Hey, everyone. Brandon Licklider here with the Marys County Bank in Cuba, Missouri. I wanted to real briefly talk to you today about uh, the pre-qualification process, Um, something that's been really prevalent here of late with uh, all the properties that are out there on the market. Um, When you get into looking for some of these recreational properties that can kind of, the product type that can go along with the property varies a little bit from property to property. So I would like to encourage everybody, if you have the opportunity, give me a call, 573-885-8900. We'll walk through that pre qualification process let you know what loan products are available for the type of property you're interested in purchasing and and work real hard to make sure you're prepared to purchase that property of your dreams in closing just want to let everyone know that the mary's county bank is an equal housing lender and member fdic Welcome back to Living the Dream Outdoor Podcast. I've been having a great time down at uh, Kansas City, Missouri, at the National Fishing Expo. And I'm sitting in the J&J Fly Fishing Adventures booth with Jacob and Jerry, Jeremy Patterson. The guys said, hey, we had a great time that first segment, <laughs> kicking some old times around. <laughs> yes, but, I, of course, I want to know more about, about you guys and coming up from the North Country. You know, I used to kind of slobber a little bit. Uh, again, looking at Outdoor Life Magazine, some of the great fishing opportunities up along in that border country between Michigan and Canada yes, and some sir. of the other other areas up there. But I started fishing catfish, carp, bass, bluegill, that sort of thing. What species did you guys start out on? So when we actually picked up a fly rod, our first species was Chinook salmon. Wow. And yeah. those things get pretty good size, I understand. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Jeremy's had a few that are, you know, that are still in the top five fish that are caught in the caught in the state as far as catch and release fish. And, and uh, yeah, you know, some of those fish can push 30 pounds. 
and and we've we've landed landed fish in that caliber. Uh, that's pretty fascinating on a fly rod. Well, you mentioned in the break there we were talking techniques a little bit. Uh, explain to us and tell us a story about how it first started. Yep. Um, basically, what it was is uh, when we we first started, we, we grew up fishing up there, salmon fishing, and that's back when snagging was legal. Or people didn't really think it was snagging. They take treble, treble hooks and tie yarn to it. Uh, state of Michigan, actually, we knew it was coming that they were going to outlaw the treble hooks or make them illegal on that stretch of water and go to a single pointed hook. Uh-huh. Well, we saw guys up there using center pins, not too many, that type of thing, floating spawn sacks, beads, whatever. And we met a couple of guys that were actually set up fly fishing with with fly rods. They kind of, a lot of guys call it chuck and duck. But we, we that's what that's the techniques call. That's what the techniques yep. call. That that means you just chuck it out there, you're ducking, the fish are trying to move, what have you. But we wanted to do it right. We still we 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 go up there now, we, we set up with the fly rod, fly line, flies, indicator, and we'll run flies through them fish. We we actually they're in there spawning, but you if you run a fly past the male Chinook fifteen, twenty, thirty times. He's going to get upset and nail that fly. <laughs> that's what will happen. And that's what it's all about. They're not hungry, Bill. You're, you're upsetting them. Yeah, that's that aggression comes so out that's, of them. We started, that's where we started our fly fishing and love of fly fishing. And then we said, huh, there's other fish out there. That ain't just salmon. We love salmon. There ain't nothing like hooking onto a 30-pound fish and having him run you down the river into the brush, jumping, snap. You're lying going, breaking rods. It's a blast. But we th- that's how we got into trout is to hone our skills for salmon, the salmonoid okay. okay, now you're talking about honing skills, catching trout fishing. What was the process? What did you do? What did you learn from trout fishing that actually honed those skills? Yeah, so, I mean, you know, when you talk about trout fishing, Ed, typically – I'm a big presentation guy, right? So I don't really believe in the perfect fly. I don't believe in the perfect rod, any of that. I think if you make that presentation correct and you put that fly in the right spot within that fish's feeding zone, they're going to eat. But I didn't know that before I started fishing trout, Bill. Exactly. We didn't understand that before we started fishing trout. You know, you got lucky sometimes with a bluegill or a bass. He was hiding underneath of a dock. He knew that that bluegill was maybe in the brush or, you know, the crappie was in that brush pile. But we didn't really understand what made those fish tick. And what made those actual fish eat, especially salmonoid species. So being able to see trout a lot, you know, and having the opportunity to to catch a lot of fish and actually see how those fish behave when you run flies past them or if you get close enough or too close, Mm -hmm. you know, that'll all work back into and actually where those fish lay. All salmonoid species lay the same way, man. You follow that bubble line, you know, you're going to be in the fish. That current seam, the bubble line, the eddies, all those fish species, brown trout, rainbows, brookies, salmon, they all lay the same way. They're very, very, you know, similar in the way that they eat, the way they feed, the way they hide. Yeah. So that, you know, okay, I, I'm starting to grasp your learning process now. Now, I've, I figured you guys you out a little bit. <laughs> you did it backwards. Right. We don't well, do I would have never known if you had told me. Uh, but... You know, we've just met each other, what, yesterday? Yes. First, first time. And you know how it is when you're meeting you guys, you're sizing them up, you know, you're right. trying to figure each other out and all that, that sort of thing. Now, it didn't take me long to figure out, and I've listened to, to portions of your all's uh, presentations here. You guys are death on detail. Got to yes. be. Got to be. It's got to be the right now, knot. It's got to be. You know, it doesn't have to. I, I talk about that in the presentation, but you don't have to spend the most, but it's got to be right. It doesn't have to cost the most money. It's just got to be right. Yeah. It's got to be the right thing for what you're trying to accomplish. Yeah. Well, you guys impressed me as the types. Uh, I'd be willing to bet, and I may be dead wrong, but as you started your process, you, you began to learn. Were you guys note-takers? Did you write things down? Did you record things? Or did it all stay between the ears? I got a journal, Bill. He doesn't necessarily. He, he does a little more... Uh, unorthodox or just in his head but i actually have a journal and i keep and you know i'll go on a fishing trip See, and i'll come back you. home and i'll write down you know we did a purple headed did a purple headed ostrich hurl on this stream and boy it really worked and the sun was out and the cloud conditions were this and you know the day before this was this water temp or the this kind of condition i try to piece things together that one and we make that next trip or i'm making a guide trip and i know what conditions are coming up maybe in that forecast i know what to have in my box I, I know I know what to do. I know what to, you know, I tell him, hey, we're going up to this place this weekend. Don't don't forget to pack about a couple dozen of those flies. 
Yeah. I don't want you to run out. I don't want to give you mine. This Gold time. mine of right, information. <laughs> and, and, I'm a, and I'm envious because, you know, I mean, from the time I was a kid and I was reading Outdoor Life, I, I knew I wanted to be an outdoor writer as I grew up. And I'm trying to figure out how many jobs are out there. There was one editor at Outdoor Life, one at Sports Field. And, and I'm thinking, man, there's probably not over a dozen jobs out there. Right. You know, which was to- <laughs> totally wrong. But. Even being an outdoor writer and all the thousand trips I've made, I've never kept a journal. No doubt. And I'm envious. I should have done that, but kind of my journal has been my articles that I've written over the years. But I still don't have the... You know that intense quality of detail that that you've had. I I can't really go back through the years and determine on such and such a trip. Uh, you know, I used ten of this particular type of flyer or lure or whatever. Right. So uh, I really commend the guys that got it together enough to keep journals. And you know what? It's that's it's, a great discipline. I mean, it is. You got to you got to do it when you get home and you got to sit down. And you got to take an hour and write it down. But it, when you go flipping back through it on a cold winter day like today that we got outside, Bill, if we weren't here, I'd probably be at home tying flies and figuring out what to do for spring, right? So, you know, I got a few trips planned. I'll flip back through and I need some of these and I need some of these. And it, it, it's surprising, like you say, you know, how many times you find yourself flipping back to that. Oh, I would just imagine. It, I, I pretty much got a photographic memory. There's probably not a fish I've caught on a fly rod that I will not remember. That's incredible too, and I'm envious. I, I, I can't remember what happened yesterday anymore. <laughs> but uh, I can't. Oh, I can't. If you told me how to get home right now, if me and you hopped in my truck, say, "Hey, take me to your house," I wouldn't be able to tell you to get there except if I threw the GPS on. <laughs> I can remember where I fished in a river or a stream and what fish that was. And the what important I, what stuff. I caught. Yeah, that's the important part of life. <laughs> that, that's that's the def- definition of eat up. You know? Yes, I'm there. Eat up. I'm there. Then you're there. Well, man, I, I tell you, it's great fun to have these uh kind of discussions but uh let me tell you the guys that have kept journals have been more than one person that have turned those into successful books correct the journals you know and i and i'm i'm toying with the idea myself a lot of the stories that i've put together over here i've had uh publishers uh, approach me ab- about putting books together with all that stuff but man you know what that's a grind. Uh, I, I did an outdoor celebrities cookbook one time in 99, and I got the idea from a radio show. I was going down to Bass Pro in Springfield uh, for the spring fishing classic and their fall hunting classic, and Bass Pro put me up in a motel, feed me and give me an office workup out of and, and line me up with all these celebrity types. You know, I, I got radio interviews with Bill Jordan, a real tree, right. a lot of the big bass fishermen and all that sort of thing. And uh, I had a friend from Poplar Bluff, Missouri, uh, he was a printer, and he got a hold of me, and he said, Bill, uh, I'm wanting to redo. He said, well, if you, you would write it, uh, want to redo a uh, cookbook that was done by radio celebrities in the 1940s. I was, I was born in That's 49. <laughs> and I said, you're out of your mind, man. I don't even know a radio celebrity, much less one from the 1940s. And I just blew it off, see? Right. Yeah, I'm not doing that. So I was down at Bass Pro one time uh, recording a radio program with Wally Marshall, big-time crappie fisherman oh, yeah. from yes, down yeah. in Oklahoma. And Wally's a big old boy. Wally likes to eat. And the whole show, I couldn't get him talked about uh, fishing tactics or anything. He was talking about cooking. <laughs> he oh, he yeah. gave me every crappie recipe you could ever thought of. And right there during that conversation, I thought, how easy would it be to put together an outdoor celebrities cookbook. Right. Now, I didn't mention it to Wally, but I got home. I kind of got a hold of some of my outdoor writer buddies. What do you think about this? Cooper, you're out of your mind. Those guys aren't going to send you any recipes. Well, what I didn't tell my writer buddies was the outdoor celebrities. I talked to a few, and they all liked the idea because in the back of that cookbook, I gave them a whole page to promote their own business and tell their story. Oh. And you know what? I, I was at sports shows, had copies of those books. People look at it and they frown, you know, you know how people are. Right. And uh, I flip to the back to those pages. I said, hey, there's Will Primos right over there in that, that booth right there. You buy this book, take it over there. He'll autograph Sign it for you. you. Work like Absolutely. a charm. But, you know, you could do this. You could do the same thing or get yourself a writer to do that with your, your notes. I might know a guy. You know a guy? I might. Uh, I recommend young outdoor writers. <laughs> <laughs> 
but it it took me a year to put that book together. It was the first time I'd done a book, you know, and I made lots of mistakes on it, spent a lot of money I wouldn't have had to have spent, and boy, I had it figured out, and that book sold so well, I, I printed 5,000 copies of it, Bass Pro sold the most of them for me, gone in 18 months. Okay. Man, I made some money. I was I was ready to buy another fly rod. Another fly rod. <laughs> there you go. But I went to reprint, and crazy printing costs had tripled in 18 months. Unreal. But I was going to do, uh, I was hoping to do like five books of that with a whole new set of outdoor celebrities. Right. Because I had, I had people get upset at me because they didn't get invited. I got through the grapevine that Roland Martin's wife got upset with me. Oh, yeah, he didn't invite her. Well, I did invite him. But I didn't hear back from him, see. And she said, oh, that, that kid made a mistake not putting Roland in there because he's big-time cook or something, you know. But, hey, you know, right. you, you can't get them all, can't make everybody happy. Right. But it was a good idea that lasted for a while. Yes, and I'm sir. sure you guys have seen some of the same things happen. Oh, yes, we have. Well, guys, we're going to take just another short break here, folks. But don't go away. We don't care what you're doing. If you're in a bathtub or driving down the road or eating dinner, uh, we want you to hear the rest of what we've got to say because we've got some good fishing tips coming up. I'm Bill Cooper, and we'll be right back. Let's well, give away time. This is always one of my favorite parts of the show. I love giving things away, especially when the sponsors are providing them. Hey, be sure and utilize our sponsors, man. We've got a pile of them anymore, and I like to run through that list right quick. Right on the top is Living the Dream Outdoor Properties, the Fly Rod Journal, SmokerBuilder.com, Cowtown USA, Westover Farms, Scenic Rivers Taxidermy, Stainwater Bowfishing, Scenic Rivers Guide Service and Tours, Huzal Valley Resort, Pico Lures, Devil's Backbone Outfitters, Cardiac Mountain Outfitters, Mary's County Bank, Rich's Famous Burgers, The Fallen Outdoors, Ledco Sinker and Lure Company, Turnbow Outdoors, J&J Charters, their new sponsor out of Kaufman Cove, Alaska, and they're going to be giving away a $500 gift certificate uh, towards a hunting or fishing trip up there, probably a fishing trip, uh, <clears throat> so you guys be sure and go online to... Uh, Living the Dream Outdoors podcast and like the page. That's a Facebook page. Like the page and then type in your name and you will automatically be entered. Also, Bean Creek Game Calls is a new uh, sponsor. These guys out of Licking, Missouri, and I've known them for a very long time. But uh, today we're going to be giving away a $100 gift certificate uh, from Bean Creek Game Calls. And I tell you, these guys make some fabulous turkey calls of all kinds and I may be a little prejudiced, but I think they make the best deer grunt tube you'll find on the market. It's so easy to blow and sounds so good. Hey, these guys are from down in the hills in the Ozarks, been hunting and fishing all of their lives. They know what it's all about. Well, some great things going on in the outdoors, and uh, I uh, have to tell you, good old trout season. You know, the uh, catch-and-keep trout season started March 1st here in the state of Missouri. Thousands of people showed up at the four trout parks in the state and had a wonderful, wonderful time. And uh, lots of fish caught, lots of acquaintances made, and, of course, a lot of people show up uh, opening day of trout season just to meet some old buddies that they only see once a year. Well, it's time to do that drawing, and it's going to be a... <laughs> going to be a lucky winner there and uh let me see who we're pulling out looks like uh lance cottrell lance lives down in uh around cherryville stillville area i think turkey hunter he'll be glad to get these calls well congratulations man i'll be sending you a, a certificate where you can get a hold of uh, the call guys down at licking missouri and uh they'll Get right on the stick and send you those calls from Bean Creek Game Calls so that you'll have them in time for turkey season. Maybe I'm soon enough to practice a little bit. Welcome back to Living the Dream Outdoors. I'm Bill Cooper over to Kansas City at the Kansas City National Fishing Expo. I'm having a fabulous time, guys. I haven't been to a sports show in probably a decade. I kind of wore out on them, you know. I've been just kind of sitting down the Ozarks festering, you know. <laughs> it ain't a bad place to be, Bill. I probably haven't been to one as long as myself. <laughs> I, I, I tell you, the older 
I get, the more I like to stick closer to home, you know. But home's not a bad place. Right. Because where I'm at, at there in St. James, Missouri, uh, within an hour, I can get to like 10 different Ozark streams, man. Absolutely. And I'm like 10 minutes from the upper Merrimack, you know. And got Merrimack Spring Park there that I, I go to once in a great while. The trout parks are a little a different country. thing. But you, you guys have got a fascinating fishing history behind you and i'm not going to ask you how old are you you are you're probably half my age i'm 72 so you you can't be but about a half my age but you started out up in michigan and and uh, finally drifted south towards heaven you know and right right <laughs> yeah. well, good thing this isn't uh, people can't see me because i'm trying to count on my fingers but i'll let you know i was born in 1977 <laughs> <laughs> and i was probably fishing by 1980 <laughs> one way or another there you go but you guys have told me the tales about starting out with salmon i can't even imagine that and picking up trout fishing is kind of a uh, kind of an experiment trying to learn techniques yeah, and yeah. that sort of thing from it but you progressed far beyond that and, and, and you guys are just a kind of an incredible mixture of fishing adventures and I don't see a lot of trout fishermen that have advanced beyond that like you guys have and I'm gonna let you explain it yeah, I, no, I don't want to run the story yeah no so what well, we started out with trout and you know and like I said we kind of kind of use those to hone our skills but with that we had a big love for them no doubt about it i mean one of my favorite things to do is still chase ice age native brookies up in northeast iowa i mean it just it gets my you know gets me going or chasing native brookies in michigan but with that too we found you know that you can only do so many species of trout and you can only do so many different things and you can only catch them so many places and right so you know we can't travel to michigan a a 14 hour drive from kansas city every time we want to go catch trout right so we had to figure out something else to do with our time and you know we've kind of we've kind of i wouldn't say conquered the trout species but we've had pretty good accolades or have some pretty good accolades on some trout you know we've all caught we both of us have caught master anglers in rainbows browns brook trout so i mean we've kind of accomplished what we want to accomplish i mean my biggest my biggest brown is a 34 inch brown Wow. So, I mean, you know, is there bigger fish out there? Absolutely. But am I going to get get the opportunity to catch one any bigger on a fly rod? I don't know. You know, so we've kind of we've kind of drifted away from the trout just a little bit. Not because we don't love them, not because we don't care about them. Our passion for them is still huge, and I still get a big sparkle in my eye when we talk <laughs> about trout. But you can see that as we're talking now. But Jeremy kind of got involved more into the rough fish. You know, living here in Kansas City and having the opportunity to fish some of these city parks and stuff, and I'll kind of let him take it over from there, but he, he kind of got us introduced to this rough fish, and hey, man, we can go out and we can catch a bunch of fish on a 95-degree day in July. Yeah, so so the whole rough fishing, growing, living now in in town, it's, it's yeah, any body of water there is, a, a lake, a pond, a stream, a creek, a river, there's fish in every body of water. Oh, absolutely. You just got to be willing to go after them. So actually, first first rough fish that you want to call that I caught on a fly would have actually been a, a grass carp, believe it or not. Really? And then I got to thinking, huh, do people do that? There's a lot of people out there, though, they'll, they'll carp fish, either grass carp or common carp, but then that led into my love for the common carp and 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 this year from believe it or not this past year from january till and you can't catch carp now if the water's open (laughs) on a fly but from january to april i gave i think it was 275 common carp i stopped fishing for them after that it was like okay let's move on to something else so then carp led into the big head carp the buffalo the gar the sturgeon the stone rollers you name it i i love it all the way down to rainbow darters so it just every every time you caught a new species it opened your mind up to there's another one there's another one keep going now it's how many can i get so yeah i may go down to like last weekend i was down at uh, in southern south southern missouri uh one of the blue ribbon trout slams so I, I spent the first part of the day playing around with some trout for a while then i said you know something I'm going to go catch some creek chubs, some suckers, some stone rollers. And I spent more time on that than I did the trout. So, yeah, it's still fun, but there's so much more to fly fishing than trout. 
So much more. I think you'd make a great chess player. Right. <laughs> he, he likes figuring out the moves. I do checkers on my cell phone. <laughs> do, you, do you really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think I I'm it. becoming a psychic. <laughs> yeah. You, uh, yeah I, you like figuring things out. I do. He does. I, I can tell that. But what a what a fascinating story. And, you know, it, it, a lot of people wouldn't give carp or any of those, oh. quote, rough fish a, a second thought but now I, I love catching gar you guys been been promoting stacy gibson and his rods here this weekend and he gave me one of those rods a few months back and boy did i ever put it through the test i didn't call T- stacy first i went to merrimack river and found a long slew man just full of gar some of them three foot long oh, you know nice. i probably hooked 30 of them with that little trout rod i landed oh, yeah. six of them man right. got them up on the gravel bar oh, if this rod don't break it it's going to be amazing. If it does, I'm in big trouble. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, but it didn't didn't break. And I took pictures of you know with the guard and sent them to Stacy. And he's that's what that's what them Roger nice. Farr man they'll do it. You know, nice. but uh, great great time. But in your experience, is the the idea of people catching. Uh, carp on a fly rod is that expanding are there more people coming into that program i think i think so a lot of people they they're really still there's so much out there so much on it to certain individuals in certain parts of the countries that this is how it's got to be done this is how it's got to be done so they get people hooked into it but for me i'm I'm a little unorthodox on fly fish. You probably never fish with anybody like me. If you tell me I got to do it this way, I'll do it the exact opposite, and we're going to go catch and make it fish. work. Right, absolutely. So I try to keep most of my flies for carp. I got one fly in my box. That's all I use. It's the only fly I use. So most people, you got to do it this way. You got to do it that way. No, it's you got to know the fish, know the body of water, and you're hunting them fish. You have to find feeding fish. You're not uh-huh. just willy nilly casting out there. You got to find somebody that a, a pot of fish that want to feed. Boy, that's what you got to do. You guys need to write a book. That's all I can say. Took me what, what we spent on the what we spent on the water. It was uh, I finally had to put a kayak in to catch my first carp. Yep. I came out here and fished with him, and he told me it's going to be easy, you know. And I didn't understand, and I was making long casts and this and that, Bill. And you know, I'd, I'd have him move towards the fly. You could see him feeding toward it, not make the connection, and this, that, and the other. Finally, after oh, it was probably about fifty fifty five hours. Yeah. Being out here with him for a weekend, we'd fished. I mean, we couldn't fish at night for those carp, but we'd fish from sun up till sundown. And and I mean, I was on the hunt for one. And that's that's what a weekend of my carp fishing was was fifty five hours putting in for my first carp. Wow! Actually, targeting a carp fifty five hours before I landed my first one. That says something for not giving up. <laughs> I, felt, I felt bad for him because I caught I caught probably five or six a day watching him struggle, but he finally got it. Let, letting me go in front and he's yeah. catching five or six behind peanut behind oh. me, you know. And I, you just want to talk about this heart, you know? Yeah, humiliating, you know. Yeah, but you're the baby brother. I'm the baby brother. Yeah, yeah, yeah you I'll deserve take it, it, man. Right? <laughs> Learn from Big Brother. Yeah. My Big Brother used to do that sort of thing to me as well. That's what Big Brothers are for, right. you know. But I want to advance again here to, uh, into a subject that I know is near and dear to your all's heart. And uh, even though you like to catch those giant rough fish, you know, you're still a big fan of our wild trout streams. Oh, absolutely. Yes. All so- t- Tell, tell me what your thoughts are about the wild uh, so, uh, so trout streams, and in particular the new, uh, fairly new uh, wild trout, the Blue River and Trout Slam. Absolutely. So I, I think it was maybe two years ago. Uh, so the whole Blue Ribbon Trout Slam, people don't know, Missouri has nine bodies of water where there's actually natural trout reproduction occurring in those waters. Some of them are supplemented through stocking, but you have like your Crane Creek, your Little Piney, your Mill Creek, Barren Fork. Some of the ones are fished heavy, some of them are not. They all do have wild trout reproduction in them. So Missouri, Missouri, and I think Trout Unlimited a couple years ago came out with the Blue Ribbon Trout Slam to where you caught in those streams or creeks or rivers. I think it was five of the nine you got a bronze a bronze Seven pan. of the nine. Seven was silver, and then all nine was gold. So actually me and another gentleman down from Cape Girardeau, Missouri, when they first got that going, he said, hey, let's do this. I said, all right, we did it took us i think two or three weekends we we got all nine of them but that was living out of a truck has anybody else done that that you know of in two or three weeks i don't think i don't not that i know of and then i've since gone through and done it again 
I, he took me back. I don't through even want to talk to you anymore. He took me back through. <laughs> but it's, me. Yeah, first time was to get it done, which was probably now that I think about it, I did it for the wrong reasons. Yeah. Second time, I did it because I wanted to do it and I wanted to enjoy what Missouri had to offer on the wild trout streams. And some of them, I know you've noticed too. And uh, I've listened to some of your things and seen some of your stuff uh, about the the ethics, I guess you will. Of trying to fish some of them streams, especially right now because that strain of fish, what they are and where they came from, this is the time of year they spawn. So really, they people don't people that really care about the trout, if I guess if you will, and everybody bought their license, anybody could fish them. So I ain't saying that, but people that really do care about the trout for the right reasons are the people you'll find that don't fish those spawning fish right now this time of year. Exactly, and, yeah. and that's an excellent point you you make because that's, honestly, that was one of my concerns when I first heard about the trout slam. What's it going to do? Right. What kind of pressure is going to come as a result of that? Fish, but you guys will be interested in knowing just a few weeks ago, I actually did a podcast uh, Corny was the kid's last Kyle McCorney. Yeah, you know him. Yep. He's one that came up with the idea for that yes, trout slam, but he also kind of had an agreement with the Missouri Department of Conservation's uh, biologist that if it appeared that the pressure was getting too intense on any particular one of those creeks, that they would withdraw it from the trout slam. So that kudos to those guys Absolutely. for Absolutely. thinking about that sort of yep. thing. But uh, sad story on my end. I had caught a fish and recorded, took pictures, wrote articles uh, on eight out of nine of those streams. The only one I've never fished is Crane Creek. But the program started in February of 2020. Yes, sir. I have to start all over. Yes. <laughs> That's hey, not a what, bad thing, is it? No, that'd be fun. <laughs> I, should t- I should do that. Tell my wife, hey, I can't. Oh, they threw it out. I got to start Let's over, start over. Right. again. Right. <laughs> well, I'm I'm gonna I'm a busy guy, but I'm gonna attempt to get all those nine done th- this year. You all know, the nice far. part about them, Bill, is just the opportunity that Missouri gives you. You know, on those streams, the the, the access and the the public. I mean, it, it comes with good and bad, right? Publicization and or publication of things like that, and right. and people. You know, people bring trash, but. In general, I think the people that are after those fish are good people. And, you know, we get more people, the right people involved, and we get people that want to protect our resource, you know, that we have right now. Yeah. And, and you want to talk about some of the most scenic, beautiful places to catch trout, you know, fishing against a 50-foot bluff, right? Yeah. Uh, waterfalls, and you know, the oh. creek cross, southern Missouri water, and those trout streams, you can't find any more beautiful country. I always said they're, they're a little bit of heaven, man. Oh, and you hit on, slices. I think, a great point there. The people that fish these wild trout streams, a lot of people have a great deal of difficulty catching fish. And because some, you know yourself, some of these little creeks you could jump across, yes, sir. and some of them, if you step in the water, you're, you're done. done. You're done. It's You've over. already scared those fish away, and uh, they're not going to come out of hiding for quite some time. Now, some of them you can wait and get away with it. And if you're real stealthy, you know, right. stealth is important. It is. If Approach. you're going to sneak up on these fish. But i got to tell you guys a, a, a story. Uh, I caught uh, probably the biggest wild rainbow I've caught. I caught out of Barren Fork, and that's a, oh, the fishable part of that. This public waters is pretty short. But I got an invite to private property on a Barren Fork. Yes, I'm not going to go into the whole story, but the lady had some cabins she wanted to yes, rent sir. and her uh, rent out, and her father had owned this place a long time. And she, my father, always talked about trout in those streams, but I've never seen one. Would you mind coming down and, and fishing the creek to see if you can catch some trout? <laughs> uh, man, I'm I'm trying to act like you know it's uh yeah it's gonna be a real burden, but I can probably make the sacrifice. Right, you know? that's right. <laughs> but I went down, guys. Within 30 minutes, I had a most beautifully colored 18 inch rainbow I ever caught oh, in man. my life. My wife was with me. She's a superb photographer. Probably took 300 photos of that fish. I mean, we kept it in the water most right. time and made sure it swam off right. healthy. But the lady took that photograph and it's been plastered all over her brochures and everything right, you know i to be sure and explain to people they're not going to catch one of these exactly exactly but yes, what a treasure and we could sit here you know all day long and tell story after story after story right and, and promote this and and 
not many people are going to reach the level of expertise and satisfaction that you guys have enjoyed. But you put the time in, you made the efforts, you've gone to the expense. And I'll, I'm a big believer in people who put in the effort, they deserve the rewards. That's kind of why we're doing it, though, Bill. I mean, if we can, like that small slice of heaven, like you say on those trout streams, if we can give a guy, you know, especially with everything going on in the world today, that's why we kind of started this guide business. If we can give a guy an opportunity to get away from life for a Saturday afternoon and go catch some wild trout on a trout stream, hey, man, who are we to hold anybody back? Or carp or gar. Right? <laughs> right? Or see, see where his mind goes, don't you, Bill? I mean, right now. Right trout are now, fun. I know. love them. But, yeah, I've been there, done that. Yeah, I'm that's... after something else. <laughs> right. <laughs> that's why we work so well together as a team. We get, I see that. It's, hey, man, he likes one thing, so guess what? If I ain't all into trout and I know that there's chain pickerel or something else around that area at that time, he's got me covered because he carries 10,000 flies on him for trout at all times. Oh, you don't yeah, see the bag. I ain't worried about it. You don't see the bag I I've two got. Flies I, for, I, two I, flies for rough fish, and I'm good to go for a weekend. Yeah, I, I, I think I'm transforming from a fly fisherman to a fly collector Carrier, you know right. I, I love them my wife's always i have to hide you know i get online and, and order all these flies and and i, I have given i've literally given away thousands of flies you right. know and uh, just one thing I, I get a uh, a kick out of you know but guys i appreciate you being here i appreciate what you're doing and i uh, hope we can get together and fish together sometimes but i'd like for you in the last uh, minute or so of the program here tell us how people can get a hold of you because you do have a, a a guide business and with all your expertise your knowledge i mean guides if you're smart you never promise people fish right but folks i gotta tell you uh the chances are good tell us how to get a hold of you so actually yeah it's jeremy and jacob patterson we're both the j and j fly fishing adventures probably the best way to get a hold of us and we have facebook and instagram both Probably the best way to get a hold of us is by our cell phone. Uh, we both got different numbers, both J&J Fly Fishing. Mine's 816-915-8095. And my brother Jacob is 816-469-3244. Uh, also, also, Patterson, Jeremy, and Jacob at gmail.com. That's how we can email us. We'll get a hold of you then. We're always down for a good time. And we don't promise nobody nothing, but some of the stuff we do, uh, you want to go fish with us on these creeks and do that. You want to lunch, we're going to put a backpack, waterproof backpack we bring. We'll go ahead and cook lunch We're not right your there. typical guy, but we don't really have that, uh, that set price of, you know, a $300 a day, right? You need to tell us what you want to do. Oh, you okay? tailor it. Do you yes, want? Sir. Do you know? You want to go catch a wild trout that day and eat a, eat a stream lunch and go back and maybe have a few drinks or do something like wow. that. You know, we can kind of tailor that experience. We've mutual friends, right? We we found a lot of good people that are giving us some opportunities to do some different things like that to uh, to provide a weekend maybe for yeah, a you. Guy. Make you guys so, are making the wheels start more, to more turn. Maybe of an outfitter maybe just, outfitter guide uh, service uh, instead yeah. of just a yeah. guide service. Camping. Yeah. We got another guy. We. A good mutual friend of ours put me in contact with some gentlemen that own some private property. He has horses, horseback riding, canoe, kayak, and fishing. Wow. So the opportunities are just endless. Endless, and I, yeah. And I will say, my brother might not say anything, but he did just finish up his U.S. Coast Guard certified captain's license. Congratulations. He's, uh, That's quite an accomplishment. He's, he's certified to go within, yeah. go within 100 miles of uh, coastal water, so 100 miles of the united states within a hundred mile radius of you yeah, know i have to that's just awesome. the great, not so, only do i have all the inland bodies and lakes great i lakes. also qualify for the great lakes obviously that's where we grew up in michigan plus the Myers offshore so wow um, anybody of water with that you're looking at you can go we can accommodate yeah. you that, can accommodate. That i don't think, I don't think my awesome. boat's going to go more than 100 miles offshore but all right i can get up to it all right you guys <laughs> you, you guys have done so much you're so talented it probably be hard to tempt you, but I'm going to dangle a carry. I've dealt uh, with a young man out of my area. He's got Cardiac Mountain Outfitters, and I yes, have sir. literally helped build Damon Spurgeon's business. I've done a ton of articles, radio shows. Uh, fabulous guys. You will love him. I want to try to get you all together with him. He's got a drift boat now. Nice. We're going to do that. does the Merrimack. And 
I haven't been fishing with you all yet, but Damon, to this point, is the best fly fisherman I've ever come across. Now, quite often, if you've got two guys in a boat, I'll hop in my kayak, float with them, get ahead of him, and I'm known as the Gravel Bar Gourmet. Nice. I hook y'all up with a trip, and you won't have to cook. I'll (laughs) cook for you on the riverbank. Carrot? I, I hey, think so, Bill. I think, think so? needs to happen, yeah, buddy. Down. Oh, I'm not going to turn that right. down. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm we'll gonna, bring the steaks. How about I, that? You I, just oh, cook them, man. Oh, man. I, I'll get to work on that. All right. All right, guys. Thanks for being hey, on the thanks show. Thanks for having us. Hey, it, it was great fun. Uh, folks, for myself and Jacob and Jerry, Jeremy Patterson, we want you to know that we are living our outdoor dreams, and we encourage you to get out outdoors, too, and enjoy your outdoor dreams. I'm Bill Cooper, and this has been the Living the Dream Outdoor Podcast. Hey guys, this is Frank Cox with Living the Dream Outdoor Properties. Hey, have you ever considered a career in real estate? If you have, but you don't have your license, this is your opportunity. So each month, the Living the Dream Outdoor Properties team is giving away a free seat to the online training that you need to take in order to get your real estate license. We would love to have you join our team. All you got to do is go to our website, livingthedreamland.com, and then click on the Our Team button, and then click on the one that comes up under that that says Join Our Team. On that page, there's an application form. Just simply fill that out and get in contact with a member of our team, and I'll be giving you a call. We appreciate you, and uh, good luck. The Live in the Dream Outdoors podcast is brought to you by Live in the Dream Outdoor Properties, The Fly Rod Journals, SmokerBuilder.com, Cowtown USA, Westover Farms, Scenic Rivers Taxidermy, Stained Water Bow Fishing, Scenic Rivers Guide Service and Tours, Huzzah Valley Resort, Pico Lures, Devil's Backbone Outfitters, Cardiac Mountain Outfitters, Mary's County Bank, The Fallen Outdoors, Ledco Sinkers and Lure Company, Turnbow Outdoors, J&J Charters, Kaufman Cove, Alaska, Bean Creek Game Calls, and Rich's Famous Burgers. Land ownership is the American dream. Land is the basis of all life. Our wise use of this most precious of resources ensures the survival and growth of free institutions and our American way of life. At Living the Dream Outdoor Properties, we value the traditions and freedoms that land provides us. Every day we seek the solace of a mountain sunrise over traffic jams and smog, the calming silence of a bubbling stream over the sirens of the city, and the quiet of the countryside over the hustle and bustle of the world. We hunt, we fish, we farm. We live off the land. It's our mission to help our clients live out their dreams on the land as we do. At Living the Dream Outdoor Properties, we believe that it's not just land, it's a lifestyle. Join us five days a week on Living the Dream Outdoor Podcast as the Living the Dream Outdoor Dream Team explores the most desired outdoor properties in the Midwest and whisks you away to incredible hunting, fishing, and outdoor recreation opportunities. Host Bill Cooper, an inductee of the National Freshwater Fishing Hall of Fame, will be joined by members of the Living the Dream Outdoors team each week as they tell tall tales unveil tips and tactics, and rub elbows with some of the biggest names in the outdoor world. You'll also find the Living the Dream Outdoors podcast on your favorite social media platforms, including Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and TikTok.